This podcast is not legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances. Hello and welcome to the second episode in the next season of our Smarter Lawcast series concerning succession planning for blended families. My name is Julia O'Brien and I'm a Senior Associate in Hall & Wilcox Private Client Practice here based in Melbourne. In this season, we'll be discussing estate planning for people living in the blended family. In today's episode, we're going to take a deeper dive into mutual wills as one strategy which can be useful in estate planning for blended families. Before we get going, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land we are meeting on today. I recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and to all First Nations people joining us. Today, I am joined by my colleague, Laura Hanrahan, Special Counsel in our private client practice in Brisbane. Let's start with what mutual wills are and why mutual wills are a good estate planning tool or strategy for blended families. Laura, have you got some insights here? Mutual wills are essentially where two people making promises to each other about their wills to ensure that specific beneficiaries benefit from their property at the time that both parties have passed away. It's a very ancient doctrine. So am I right in thinking there, you both have a will, but there's a separate document that sits alongside that's that's like a separate contract that um, will prohibit or, or, or inhibit your ability to change your will in the future? Yes. Whilst it doesn't necessarily need to be a written document, certainly that is absolutely best practice, but there needs to be an agreement, whether that's oral or written. And it's important to point out too that quite often people whether in blended families or not, will have mirror wills. These are not mutual wills simply because wills are made in reciprocal terms doesn't necessarily mean that they are mutual wills. There needs to be that additional agreement, again, whether binding or oral, to actually make the wills mutual. And the reason that they're so useful in blended family scenarios is because it essentially allows you a little bit of leeway to rule from the grave. So you can provide a surviving spouse with the benefit of assets, but those assets are ultimately gifted to the next generation, whether that be children from the first relationship or children from, from both first relationships. You've got the certainty that those assets will ultimately benefit the children of the first relationship and that the survivor won't be able to change their will and write out the biological children of the, of the first to die. I see. So that that's the main advantage. That's that's why uh, the mutual willers could be so beneficial in the blended family situation. Yeah, it really provides that structure and certainty. So implementing mutual wills enables a testator to provide benefits for the current spouse while pre preserving assets 
for their children from their first relationship. Mm, it so also provides asset protection. So we get that keeping it in the bloodline. And essentially blended families or couples in a blended family scenario want the peace of mind that they're doing the right thing by their current spouse whilst ultimately providing for their children from their previous relationship. And lastly, I think given the agreement nature of the mutual wills, there's a bit of transparency so that family members understand what, what the agreement is. Mm. But I know they're not for everybody, are they? They're, they're, there are some disadvantages with, with using them. So um, what, what do you see as the main disadvantages? As with everything, you can have a well-drafted mutual will agreement and you can have a mutual will agreement that, you know, an oral agreement and that, you know, is a bit um, everybody's in, in the dark and we have to have a big court case to work out what the terms of that oral agreement are. Mm. Um, so it's really important that whilst there are some circumstances where mutual wills are really great and really appropriate, um, if they're not well implemented, then you're always going to have problems. Yeah. Um, so, and it's just the complexities around making a very clear agreement what those assets are that are to be protected for the ultimate beneficiaries. Yeah, and I know in the re in your recent experience, you were involved in the recent case in Queensland of Forster and Forster, where where some of those um, ambiguities or the, the the problems with the drafting really came to the fore. So, would you share that with us? Forster and Forster was an interesting case because the the first application that was run was a family provision application. So the adult children from the deceased's first marriage tried to bring a family provision application um, and it's interesting to note that a mutual will doesn't prevent that so you're not protecting the estate from a family provision application just remind us with the family provision application so that's a party that's bringing a claim because they feel that they haven't been adequately provided for under the terms of the will so so that's still fair game even if there's a mutual wills contract in place absolutely so mutual will in the typical scenario means that the couple each have wills that say everything goes to the survivor and then on the survivor's death then the assets are divided. In the Forster and Forster case, the husband had three children from his first marriage and the wife had two children from her first marriage. So their mutual will was that everything went to the survivor of husband and wife and on the death of both of them, everything was to be divided five ways between all five children. So the husband was the first to die and the wife received all of the assets and the adult children of the deceased then their first application was to try and because essentially they had been left nothing because the wife survived so they tried to bring a family provision application um, 
to receive an inheritance at the time rather than having to wait until um, their stepmom passed away. And then the second application, when that wasn't successful, then the second application they brought was in relation to the terms of the actual mutual will agreement itself. And ultimately, what they wanted was disclosure of all of their stepmom's assets. Um, and they were quite determined to ensure that they had a very clear picture about what her wealth was so that when she ultimately passed away, that they would then have a starting point to know whether she had, in fact, you know, dissipated her assets intentionally so that what they were ultimately going to receive was a lot less. Um, and they wanted to be able to have those two points in time and the court in this particular case, based on the, the drafting of the mutual wills agreement, um, the court said that they weren't entitled to that disclosure um, and that she wasn't holding those assets on trust for them, that she had been gifted them and they were her assets under the will to live her life um, and that they only became entitled to them on her death. Yeah, so, so the, the survivor is still, even if you've got a mutual wills contract, it can be drafted to permit the survivor to continue to use the assets during the lifetime um, so they can sell them. They can buy new assets, but ultimately when they die, however that the, the gifts fall at that point, that's the bit that we are unable to change when we've got the mutual wills contract. But they could, that, that agreement continues to hover above whatever assets finally fall on the last to die. Yes. Yeah, less, yeah it's, it, it certainly is a quite a complicated area of law and it, it really is very relevant for blended families and um, we, we, we're often asked about them um, and very happy to advise on them if, if, um, if, if we're asked to do so. I say, look, thanks for that insight, Laura. That's been really useful. Thank you again for listening to this, this next episode. We've trust that you found the information useful. Um, and if you'd like some more information, you can, of course, contact us directly. You can find our details on our website at www.hallandwilcox.com.au or you can connect with us on LinkedIn. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please rate or review us. Thank you. Mm -hmm.